Hello! Hey, everybody. Welcome. What a week. To another edition of the Media Boat Podcast, colon, marooned edition. It is somehow June 3rd, 2020. We made it to to June, guys. June. Can you believe that? When we were... June gloom everywhere. Starting this marooned, these marooned podcasts, it was March. March! It was literally the week after your birthday. It was the third month of the year, and now it is the sixth month of the year. We are halfway, nearly, and we haven't been able to do anything in 2020. That being said, we have watched a lot of TV and listened to a lot of music. Yeah, we've done a lot of things, um, and a lot of things are happening. Um, To start the show, I just want to briefly say, uh, well, one, I guess I should do the interest first. We're media about podcasts. We're a podcast about the media, movies, music, video games, and television, not necessarily in that order. Uh, My name is Matt. His name is Mike. I'm Mike. He's Matt. We've been doing this for, I think this is 231 now, episode 231. Yeah, something like that. Um. Just as kind of an intro, if you guys have not been paying attention, I'm sure everyone listening to this knows the drill. Um, over the last week, there have been um, there has been unrest, there has been protests, there have been riots, there has been um, a huge outpouring of support, and all of it um, kind of stems from the Black Lives Matter movement, a movement that we here, of course, at the Media Boat Podcast are fully behind and supportive of. Um, and the uh, ongoing police brutality uh, that seems to be uh, laser targeted at the black members of our community. Um, so our show this week um, is going to be full of news that was directly affected by these protests um, and by the unrest. Um, so yeah, we'll be bringing it up multiple times. Uh, what I will say before we go into the podcast proper is that if you um, are behind the, uh, the, the, the right for these people to protest. If you believe in the, uh, the uh, need for equality and um, uh, justice for these deaths, I strongly advise everybody listening to this, if you have not already, to donate to causes, whether it be the Black Lives Matter organization themselves or the NAACP or any uh, local and national bail funds, uh, funds being... Uh, funded to help uh, bail people who have been arrested on the front lines of these protests. Um, any of those things, if you have the means to, I know it's tough financially right now in a pandemic, and if you can't actually go to the protests, which I know a lot of you who live with, say, immun- immunocompromised people or who work with immunocompromised people cannot actually attend, donating is the thing you can do. So by all means, uh like if you can please consider donating it uh makes a world of difference and it's uh for a good cause so with that all said uh let's move straight into the podcast where we talk about fun stuff well maybe not this week but generally speaking um generally we talk about fun stuff um this (laughs) as you mentioned this episode is going to be dominated by one topic in particular yeah but that's not to say we won't have other like act not not only say actual news, but good news. Yeah. Other news. 
Now, in the TV section, I'll get to talk a little bit about my uh, first week of impressions with uh, HBO Max. So we'll get there in just a moment. But first, movies. And we go into movie news. Our first story, starting right up uh, with a story uh, related to the events of the past week. Um, the production studio Bad Robot, that of course being J.J. Abrams' uh, joint, brought to you such fine entertainment such as the Star Wars movies people kind of like, and the Star Trek movies most people don't like. Um, so fine movies is a relative term? Yeah, I guess so. Depends on who you ask. It's I don't okay, have a problem with the Star Trek movies. I like them. Anyway, Bad Robot announced, announced a pledge of $10 million over five years to various organizations. For starters, they will donate $200,000 each to the following groups. Black Lives Matter LA, Black Futures Lab, Community Coalition, the Equal Justice Initiative, and the Know Your Rights Camp. Bad Robot Productions and the Katie McGrath and J.J. Abrams Family Foundation announced charitable donations to a number of organizations that are, quote, committed to anti-racist agendas. Quote, enough is enough, the statement began. Enough police brutality, enough outsized privilege, enough polite conversation, enough white comfort. So yeah, good news, and that's a lot of money coming to the way of these uh, these organizations from uh, people who can afford to give. Yeah, that's uh, if you're keeping track, that's a total of one million dollars of an initial donation, with nine million coming over the next five years. Yeah, that's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Over the course of the week, one of the ni- one of the uh, uh, happy, like one of the hopeful things coming out of all this, is the outpour of donations from these uh, large companies whether it be J.J. Uh, Abrams and Bad Robot, or today I saw the Lego Corporation is going to give $4 million to different activism funds. Uh, Pokemon, the Pokemon Company came out and said that they'll be donating 100000 each to the NAACP and Black Lives Matter, which, I don't know, if you're the, one of the biggest in, uh, entertainment uh, franchises in the world, you could probably give more than 100000 but that's, that's another story. <laughs> anyway, also notable this week... Um, the Nike and Adidas uh, accounts on Twitter communicated with each other for the first time ever in their brand's history. Uh, known rivals, Nike and Adidas. So that happened. Um, so Stuff's yeah. coming together. People are coming together. Um, I think that, you know, maybe be a little skeptical of the brands and make sure that they're doing the right, uh, make the right uh, choices. It's not all good. But the fact AKA that... AKA see Wendy's. <laughs> Wendy's. Burger King. Um, anyway, <laughs> but yeah, so like uh, any, you know, any money is good towards these organizations, so I'm glad that the needle is moving a little bit. Yep. Oh. But this still does not apologize for the disaster that was The Last Jedi. <laughs> Looking at you, bad robot. <laughs> I like The Last Jedi. You're thinking of Rise of Skywalker. That's what I'm thinking. The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, you said the well, last. Well, because Last Jedi is the last film that actually ended. <laughs> anyway, our second story has nothing to do with the protests. No, it has to do with Netflix doing the thing that we thought they were going to do, which is buy a historic theater in Los Angeles. So we had saw we already reported on Netflix buying a old theater on Broadway in New York. Well, now they're doubling down and doing it in L.A. Yes, they have finalized a deal to buy Hollywood's historic Egyptian theater 
for an undisclosed price, closing a transaction that had been in the works for more than a year. The acquisition represents a major milestone, major milestone, in Netflix's effort to become part of the Hollywood filmmaking community. The Egyptian theater will remain the home of the American Cinematheque, and the organization's curation team will continue to autonomously program content over the weekend. Netflix said it will invest in the theater's renovation and will use the facility for special events, screenings, and premieres during the week weeks. Uh, the Egyptian theater was opened, by the way, in 1922 by Sid Grauman on Hollywood Boulevard. The facility was closed in 1992, though, and the American Cinematheque purchased the Egyptian for the city from the city for one dollar. That's one buck. Uh, that was so. Yeah. Uh, what? It, it, it's literally the next line. I was going to jump you there. Yeah. Uh, with the provision that this historical landmark would be restored to its original grandeur. In 2016, the Egyptian theater was retrofitted to begin screening 35 millimeter nitrate film and is now only one of four theaters in the United States capable of showing that fragile and flammable film stock. Renovations by Netflix will include upgrading the equipment at the theater. Yep, also gives them a foothold of, you know, showing their own... Uh, films in LA area. Yeah, this is a good move because it's, I mean, obviously it's self-promoting that they needed this to participate in the LA and New York rule that the Academy had. Yes. Um, but this also um, is a hearts and minds move because yeah, it's, it's renovating and updating a uh, Los Angeles treasure. It's a showmanship of good faith that, hey, we're going to renovate and update this historic landmark. See, we're just like you guys. We appreciate cinema in Old Town Hollywood. But yeah, good move overall. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, uh, it's not really going to matter until people can go to the Egyptian again. So uh, when uh, stuff starts opening up again, maybe uh, we'll hear more about this. Right, and who knows if they franchise the name the Egyptians and then they, you know, because Netflix has money, by the Bengal soundtrack, so you can walk like an Egyptian uh, to the Egyptian theater. Uh-huh. No. No, moving on. Moving on? Okay. You watched a movie that I I watched a movie. You watched a movie that I understand came out in calendar year 2020. Yes, and I watched this movie because this is also part of movie news. It's free. Okay. Uh, Just Mercy, starring new book favorite Michael B. Jordan. And so, personal favorite, Brie Larson. So the movie is named Mercy? Just Mercy. So Yeah, so it's Just Mercy? Yeah, it's Just Mercy. <laughs> no, I know. It's Just Mercy is the name of the movie. Okay, so Michael G. Uh, Michael G. Jordan. Michael yes. B. Jordan and Brie Larson are in a room. What happens? Uh, Michael B. Jordan is a lawyer from Harvard who goes down to Alabama and starts up a nonprofit organization to help inmates on death row. Uh, one of these cases is also me about favorite, Jamie Foxx. <laughs> uh, and it's about his case being overturned in throughout the judicial system. We've reported on this thing a while ago. I think yeah, back when it was first announced. I think you remember talking about this because this was the first film for Michael B. Jordan's production company. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. And he's also a producer on this thing. 
so the reason this was made free, and by the way, it's free for all of June as a rental on all streaming sites. Uh, so like Google, iTunes, uh, Amazon Prime, Hulu, I think. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, if you're able to see it, uh, it is a fine movie. I think I understand the reason why they made it free. But at the same time, there are other films that have been made that are more impactful than this film. <laughs> While this does delve heavily into the judicial system and you know wrongly convictions and trying to get those convictions overturned, especially in a state like Alabama, it can be tough, but can be done. Mm. It is also something that I think has been done, I don't want to say better, but more <laughs> memorable in other films. Yeah. Like Black Klansman, like Detroit, like The Green Mile. Hell, like To Kill a Mockingbird. Like To Kill a Mockingbird, which <laughs> they reference heavily yeah, in I bet. that film. I bet. <laughs> like in the first act, they dropped that name like three times. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I okay, mean, it's going to be this kind of film. I get what you're saying. It's like, it's a good, like, entertaining version of that story, but it's not going to win an Academy Award. It's not a home run. It's just like... But it is like Green Book, though. Down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> no, if something like Green Book wins, wins this year, in the year 2020, after all of this, I give up on the Oscars. Well, that's the thing, because like, I think Just Mercy came out to try and qualify for last year's Academy mm-hmm. Awards. Uh, by coming out in select theaters at the end of the year so they could qualify. And nobody cared then. So and nobody, nobody cared, cared then. Nobody will care now. Right. But it is free. It is out there available to watch. Well, here's hoping that this at least helped Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Michael B. Jordan, to be specific. I mean, it's, he's not not Michael Jordan. It's just he's a very specific kind of Michael Jordan. Yeah, you know, just like we're talking about movies and you say Michael Jordan and you automatically think of, you know, the act. The, the Michael Jordan that came first. Yeah, not the star of Space Jam, which is a movie. Um, contrary to popular belief, Space Jam is a movie. Right, and not a documentary. Not a documentary. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, Michael B. Jordan. This might hopefully give him the more, um, like, give him the foothold he needs to get some real great scripts in there to make some real great movies under his label. So we'll see. But yeah. Oh, that's all another one starring Michael B. Jordan, a film that I think is better or done better. Okay. Is a uh, Fruitvale station. Oh, well, yeah. Well, one is directed by Gary F. Gray. Yeah. Wait, was it Gary F. Gray? Was it? Yeah, it was Gary F. Gray. No. I don't remember. No, I'm thinking of uh, who did Black Panther? Oh, ah, uh, what's yeah. his name? That name's escaping me now. It's like uh, it's like right. It's that name on the tip of my tongue. Um, yeah, it's freaking uh, Ryan Coogler. Yeah, Ryan Coogler. Thank you. <laughs> yes, thank thank you, Google. 
the freaking the front page of Google when I Googled it did not give me his name. The, the producer is there, but not director. Did you search director? No. Oh, that's why. <laughs> but yeah, Fruitvale Station, I think, is a better film to show uh, current injustice than Just Mercy, but Just Mercy also just came out. Just. Just saying. Just saying. Yep. Anyway, anything else in the movie world you want to talk about? Because I didn't watch any 2020 movies. Mm, no, I did not. So let's move on ahead. Move right in to the TV section, and we start TV, of course, with sports. So sports is kind of the same place it was last week. We were talking about rumblings of there being um, uh Returns. A deal possibly being made. Deals possibly being made. Uh, baseball, a little update on the MLB situation. The Players Association has now sent a counter offer to the owners uh, about what they're going to be paid if the, if the truncated season happens. Yeah, they also sent the offer for a 116-game season. Mm-hmm. But now the, uh, the uh, MLB owners are talking about doing an 80-game season. Yeah, and possibly not even sending a counter proposal. Just saying, well, if you don't didn't accept this, then we're just not going to have a season. Because yeah. so revenue of lost ticket sales and merchandising. So it's still all up in the air. That pop fly still hasn't come down. Um, so we'll still we're waiting still until uh, we figure out if there's going to be baseball at all. Yes. Meanwhile, I want to see some baseball. I streamed some MLB uh, 19, the show, um, this past uh, this past weekend. Yeah, I saw you go live. It's archived on YouTube if you want to check out uh, me playing an hour's worth of uh, pitching uh, mm-hmm. for the Angels. I'm doing okay. I started doing the, uh, since you didn't watch it, um, I started doing the um, dynamic difficulty setting, so that way it'll get harder the better I do. Oh, no. Pop, no, I actually was doing great. I topped out. Uh, I almost got to All-Star. I was in Veteran Plus. And I almost got to All-Star until I gave up one home run and went all, and was sent all the way back down to Rookie. <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, they're so picky. No, just, just off of one home run? One home run! Like, you go down like half the meter if you get one hit. Well, are you a starting pitcher? You're a starting pitcher, right? No, I'm relief now. I was starting... Oh, that's why. I'm relief now. And that's uh, why, because you're a relief. You're not supposed to give up any hits. You're supposed to come yeah. in and shut everyone down. I'm just like, I'm sorry I'm not the best pitcher of all time. Like, I don't you know mean what Hall to of tell Famer you. Mariano Rivera, 100% voted in to the Hall of Fame? Yeah, I'm sorry my ERA, yes, it's under, it's under one. But I'm sorry it's not .25 like it was when I was playing in beginner difficulty. I'm sorry <laughs> I'm at like... 0.52 now, guys. I'm sorry. That's so bad. <laughs> I'm still the best in the league. <laughs> in, the digital, in the digital 2020 season, I am still the best. I have the most strikeouts league-wide. Thank you. That's how it should be. Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> so baseball's still happening in my heart is what I'm trying to say. Um, meanwhile, basketball is looking at July 31st to start their uh, truncated version of the season, which is basically just the playoffs. Um, kind of. So 
the deal, so this was like posted uh, last Friday and some more details actually came out today. Okay. And I should have kind of made this the first story, but other stuff <laughs> is more pressing because this is still speculation. And we don't okay. really deal in speculation. But as the news stands right now, they are looking to bring in 22 teams uh, to Orlando, Florida. Basically, if your team was over 30 games back from mm-hmm. the first place, you're eliminated okay. on, automatically. Just now, you're just not coming back. Okay. Uh, you're set into draft lottery hell. Whereas the remaining 22 teams will play, every team will play eight games over the course of two weeks to finalize the, basically simulate the rest of the season and to be who's one through eight in seeding brackets. This would mean that they'll play the NBA playoffs as normal in Orlando, Disney worldwide world of sports. Okay. No fans. And there we will have the NBA finals or playoffs into finals, which would end October 12th. Now here's the thing about it ending on October 12th. The next season's supposed to start October 22nd. Maybe. <laughs> They're going to have to push that back. Right, because there's rumblings of it being pushed back to a Christmas start date for the next season. Okay. Which, you know, NBA, NBA on Christmas is a big deal. You know, they have, they have six games running that day. So that would make sense, you know. NBA Christmas. Merry Christmas to all. Yeah. But that's, they also noted that if they can't get everyone there by July 31st, mm-hmm. then they're just going to scrap the playoffs altogether. Okay. Which, right. when, you, when you're butting up almost against the, next, the opener of the next season, then to me, that's a sign where you should just be like, ah, who had the best record? All right, they're champs now. Right. I mean, plus <laughs> I everyone's had... Would- three months off to rest it. and heal. Yeah. And for some people, get out of shape. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sure. For some people, just sit on their, their couch watching TV. No, not watching. They've been playing NBA 2K. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> tournaments. <laughs> it's kind of like watching tape, right? It's, like, it's mental like, basketball. <laughs> it's <laughs> mental basketball. I like it. Do you think, do you think the baseball players are home playing base, mental baseball too? No, because even that's a slog. Ha, ha, ha. Anyway. Anyways, uh, yeah, we'll have that NBA announcement by tomorrow because they have a league-wide Zoom meeting happening, I think, noon Eastern tomorrow. So we will know by the end of the week whether or not we will have NBA th- well, this year. I think. <laughs> But also this means that if we do, that everyone's going to be flying down to Florida, to Disney World. Right. They'll be staying. They'll have one hotel completely quarantined for just player, staff, media, personnel, everything. And also, uh, from what I read, they'll be having one golf course for them to, you know, go out and relax on. But still maintain that social distancing. Yeah. Because those parameters are still in order. Well, that's going to be weird. And I'm looking forward to hearing what they decide. <laughs> All right. Uh, lastly, in the sports news that you have here, 
is something about Rob Gronkowski. But yes. I have a question. Answer. You wrote it in a way where I don't know whether this is about his football career or if this is about wrestling. Wrestling. Okay, this is wrestling, Gronk. Okay. Go for yes. it. You tell me what this means. Yes. Oh, so because Rob Gronkowski is coming back uh, to the Buccaneers this year, he kind of had a dilemma where he was currently the WWE 24-7 champion as per this past WrestleMania. Well, he needed to lose that title somehow. Okay. So cue a wrestler in, okay, tell me if this is like the most like WWE wildest thing ever. Okay. A wrestler dressed up as a gardener tending to Gronk's lawn in the front yard where Gronk and his friend is like, hey, I'm like Gronk's like, I'm the WWE 24-7. No one's going to take this away from me. Ah, life is good. And his friend rips off his jacket, showing a WWE ref jersey. It said, pulls on his phone, ding, ding. And then the guy rips off his costume and runs and tackles Gronk <laughs> for the pin to reclaim the 24-7 title. But, but who, who gets it? That... The Gardner wrestler guy. Yeah, but is that... Is that person a known wrestler? Yes. Okay. You was costuming. Skip that step. Oh yeah, you must skip that step. (laughs) Yes, he was costuming as Gronk's gardener. Got it. Okay. Weird. Wrestling's weird. I don't know if you know this. Oh, I mean, I know it's weird. They had a they had to simulate a car crash in order to up the stakes. So to give a reason why two of the wrestlers couldn't be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forced writing is the best. <laughs> anyway. Anyways. What else going on in the world of sports uh, before we wrap up the sports section? Uh, we have two days of NASCAR this weekend. And that's about it. That's about it. Uh, no, no more, no current news on the NHL situation yet. Mm-hmm. And then, as for colleges, uh, college athletics, the NCAA has tentatively set a date for players to resume training on campus facilities. Mm-hmm. But this also requires the actual campus to be open yes. for that to happen. Yeah, that would be a problem. <laughs> All right, well, we'll keep an eye out, of course, on that wide world of sports. I realize that the re- that's a registered trademark. Um, and uh, we'll give you updates as they happen. But for now, let's move into television news. Other news that's not sports. Yeah, so our first story is about Viacom, technically Viacom CBS, the entity that now exists that combines both Viacom and CBS, hence the name. Yes, the, um, the merged entity. Yes, how they uh, reacted to the, uh, the week's protests. Uh, they, uh, specifically their entertainment brands, which includes MTV, Comedy Central, Nickelodeon, Paramount Network, BET, Pop TV, CMT, VH1, Logo, and the Smithsonian Channel, as well as their CBS Sports channels, will cease programming for exactly 8 minutes and 46 seconds 
I'm guessing this happened on Tuesday. Uh, uh, Monday or Monday. On Monday. To protest the death of George Floyd, uh, the man whose death uh, is seen as the spark of these protests and this movement. I didn't necessarily mention that up front because um, it's bigger than just him. It's bigger uh, than just one person. Yes. Uh, but yes, it's certainly important that we do mention George Floyd here. Um, in an internal memo, Viacom CBS's president of entertainment and youth brands, Chris McCarthy, announced last Sunday that all their uh, all the four aforementioned platforms will be going dark for eight minutes and 46 seconds, which uh, is uh, significant because that was the time that George Floyd was killed by that officer. Uh, the time will not only serve as a tribute to Floyd, but a tribute to all of those who have been victims of racism. Um, this is quoting the story here, um, including Ahmad Arbery, Brianna Taylor, and countless others. Viacom CBS also went dark in 2018 for 17 minutes in solidarity with the National School Walkout to honor the 17 students of Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, who died. The Parkland, Parkland shooting. Uh, Nickelodeon also released a scrolling video which contains language from the Kids' Bill of Rights, which the network first put together on June 7, 1990. It began with the statement this time, Nickelodeon is going off the air for eight minutes and 46 seconds in support of justice, equality, and equal rights. They've also um, since then um, done the same uh, kind of statements via their social media networks uh, channels as well. Mm -hmm. And all a lot of social media network channels have followed this. Yeah. So yeah, things like this were happening across the board on both Monday and um, more significantly on Tuesday. Um, a lot of industries took place in what they called the, the Nash, National Blackout or Blackout Tuesday uh, yesterday. I'll get to more about that. As, or we will get to a, sto a story later about that. But, um, but yeah, um, this is interesting. And I want to get kind of your, your interpretation about how, how this all was happening. So that's, or maybe I'll wait and talk about that when we get there later. But anyway, it's been interesting to see how the brand, different brands have been reacting to this. Uh, but we'll get to what I want to talk about in the music section. Anyway, moving on to other television news. It's not just brands that are getting in on this. Some people, individuals, are also trying to do what they can to help, including comedian Nick Offerman. He has put three of his comedy specials for sale on his website, with 100% of the proceeds going to America's Food Fund. The specials include the debut of a new special that he's titled Full Bush, <laughs> described on the site as a, quote, brand spanking new, never-before-seen broadcast special about the manners by which we modern Americans might pursue a lifestyle that can only be described as Full Bush. Also on offer, 2019 Summer of 69, No Apostrophe, which was his collaboration with his wife, Megan Mullally, described as an entirely melodic and ribald pageant, which might give you some chuckles and more importantly, inspire some romance in your life. And his 2014 uh, special, American Ham, Offerman's first special, that includes his 10 tips for delicious living. All of these are available just for $5 to rent or $11 slash $11.99 to purchase. Yeah. 
and 100% of those proceeds go to uh, Feeding America, America's Food Fund. America's Food Fund, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, good timing for that because um, it's not only these, you know, the, the, the protest movement, but it's also the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, all of this has kind of caused shortened food supplies uh, for people who need it the most right now. So important time to donate. So, hey, go check out Nick Offerman. He's a funny dude. Yep, and get some uh, funny material out of it, too. You're not away empty-handed. Side note, I saw a young, uh, a rare, young, uh, inexperienced Nick Offerman uh, yesterday when I was watching a season four episode of Gilmore Girls. <laughs> like a 2000, a rare 2002 Nick Offerman <laughs> was, was spotted. And I was like, this is weird. He looks so young. Still full beard and everything, but. Anyway, we were watching Knocked Up the other day and looking at all these comedians popping in and out. <laughs> yeah. Like, like Adam, yeah, like all like who they eventually came to be, like uh Adam Scott, Ken Jong, uh yeah. Bradley Cooper, uh Mike Weld. All right, television thoughts. You watched some television this week. I watched some television this week. What did you watch? Uh, well, let's start with the big thing that happened this past weekend, the SpaceX shuttle launch. Yeah. Did you watch this? <laughs> no, God, no. I was busy doing, like, watching and paying attention to way more important things. Oh, yeah. So, so are we. But then CNN decided to cut over for four hours to document this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Some yeah, we were very excited that we sent a rocket into space. We did it. I was not one, or, or rather, SpaceX did it. Sure. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was a whole big deal, whole big spectacle. No challengers happening here. Good. Uh, they docked. Is considered a commercial success, a viable success, and renewed a lot of people's hope in space travel slash exploration they saw cool i mean all well and good but man the timing of this could not have been worse well it was supposed to happen like two weeks ago yeah if but it had then got weather delayed if it had happened two weeks ago i feel like the conversation would be different one it would be focused on the fact that they they were able to do it i think what muddies the waters a little bit is not only the political protesting happening this week but also uh, uh the fact that spacex is own uh elon musk is uh yeah hadn't had the greatest 2020 uh, statement wise and just like freaking life wise and just or baby naming wise exactly he's been in the public eye a little much yeah yeah like this was it did feel like a big commercial for spacex but at the same time it happened they did it uh, but other stuff happened. Other stuff happened. Indeed. Yeah. What else did you watch on time? Uh, I watched, or at least what was released and started watching, The Big Fib on Disney+. Plus. Okay, what is The Big Fib? The Big Fib is basically to tell the truth, but with kids. Okay. Uh, it's supposed to, or it's branded as teaching kids to spot lies and to basically spot fake news and not, and like how to determine like who's telling the truth and who's not. 
but it's basically to tell the truth, <laughs> but with kids. Uh, they set it up with two different topics, like the first one being the goofy one, and the second one being like, okay, here's like two act. Like the first one was like, oh, we had like we dressed this one person up to like immediately like over exaggerate everything, so you like clearly it's not them. Like if it was like talking about like a scuba diver, like you have someone coming out in a full scuba suit with everything, like talking about like well, how they like know everything there is to about scuba. Whereas you have like an actual like scuba instructor standing next to them in plain clothes. It's like it reminds me of Figure It Out. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and then like and then like what's like the fake gag one is out of the way. Then they bring out like two actual people in normal clothes and they proceed to like answer questions and you're supposed to like figure out, oh, who's telling the truth. I guess more like it is to tell the truth. Isn't that also a show? So it's to tell the truth. Got it. Okay, thank you. Yes. <laughs> we got there eventually. We got there. It's one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those. Oh, that sounds that sounds fun. Yeah. It's uh hosted by Yvette Nicole Brown and uh Bruce Darcy, I think is his name. Uh something like that. <laughs> and Star- uh, it's Darcy or something or like Bruce Darcy. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I don't Darcy, but I if it's Darcy's last name or his first name. But he plays like a robot and it's super annoying, but also the scene is super geared towards kids. So I'm not yes. that annoyed with it. For children. It's definitely geared towards children. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. Uh, lastly. Lastly. Uh I watched the other ESPN 30 for 30 documentary yeah. for the past two weeks. Lance. Okay, so before you give your take, I did not watch this, even okay. though I had said that I was probably going to after the last dance. I just ended up just not being able to because of just crazy scheduling stuff. Yes. So uh, I've missed this entirety in, like, in its entirety. Like, uh, Did I miss much? No, but it was a weird juxtaposition between The Last Dance because clearly with The Last Dance, Michael Jordan ran that show. It was the Michael Jordan show, and clearly there was a narrative he was trying to get across. Uh Whereas with Lance, I didn't really get that. Also, cycling in itself, not that popular of a sport. So most people were like, oh, Lance Armstrong, he just won Tour de France and then admitted to cheating. That's, that's basically like most everyone's knowledge of Lance Armstrong Much. and like the Livestrong brand. <laughs> yes. So it goes into depth about like cycling, but when you bring out people who you don't know and say like, oh yeah, this was his teammate. I'm just sitting there like, yeah, okay, sure. I believe you. And because I have no basis for this. And I think most people have no basis for it other than the creme de la creme that is the Tour de France and Lance Armstrong winning and then the whole Oprah interview. Hmm. But also it's weird because there's not really not so much a narrative driven doc, but rather like here's the facts of what happened. Here's how they all played out. Mm-hmm. Yes, I lied. Yes, I was taking drugs, but then again, Literally everyone in the top half was taking drugs and here's how we all did it. And here's how we all got away with it. Yeah. 
so one of the reasons why I didn't care enough to go seek it out was because I feel like this story's been told already. Like, hasn't there... I, I could have sworn there was already a documentary about this. Well, there was the whole Oprah interview. But yeah, it didn't feel like anything new, big, or bombshell was captivating in it. It was kind of like, here's Lance Armstrong unabashed telling you his story. And it's, I don't know if it was like the direction of it, but it was like, okay, you're hitting me with these facts and stuff that happened, but at the same time, it's not enthralling enough to be interested in. Yeah. That makes sense? Yeah, no, that makes sense. So the next one is the Bruce Lee one. Yes, Be Water. So will you be watching that? <laughs> uh, yes, I'll be watching that. That's this upcoming <laughs> Sunday. All right. So I guess we'll looking forward to hearing about that one. <laughs> yep. Nonstop sports documentaries. Even though this one's, I don't know if you could call a documentary about Bruce Lee a sports documentary. I'm not sure if it's going to be a documentary about him in the sport because from what I read, it's about him coming to America being rejected by Hollywood and then going back and uh, Hong Kong, I think. Okay. China or Hong Kong. And then yeah. basically like becoming like the big star over there. Yeah. It seems like it's a weird fit for ESPN. It is. But Hey, but I don't know. There's gotta be a good story there somewhere. Maybe. They'll figure out a way to shoehorn in sports into it. Like, Oh, he was such a, like he was so talented with his body and like, oh, physical, you know, strength and all this stuff. I'm sure that they can figure it out. Anyway. There, there have been weirder 30 for 30s. I bet there have. So my story is that uh, HBO Max happened. Yes. So what are your thoughts on the big purple HBO Max? So uh, overall, I think that it has made a, in my opinion, better first impression than I think that Disney Plus did. Mm-hmm. I think it's got a solid lineup of, of um, all sorts of things. It doesn't have everything you'd want, but it has just enough in each of the categories, whether it be Cartoon Network stuff, Turner Classic Movies, the HBO stuff, of course, is all there, uh, the Studio Ghibli movies, like, Anything that they advertise that they would have, they pretty much have, uh, with a few, hand, like a handful of exceptions. And yeah, the variety alone is enough for me to be like, hey, if you like any of this stuff, it's worth checking out. Um, there's enough stuff that like everybody in my household found something that they would want to watch, which is saying a lot, considering there's a lot of differing tastes happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like it's pretty impressive. I think, uh, the lineup that they got at launch. Um, that being said, is it worth $15 a month? Um, that's going to depend. It's going to depend on how much you like old shit because the new shit is lacking. So if you look at their, their homepage right now under original content, there's like six icons because they're not really going hard on original stuff. There's something. There's a couple things for kids. There's that Omo late night show. There's a uh, kids crafting reality show called Craftopia. Right. Um, for the adults, there is a I guess a Paul Feig produced 
uh, Anna Kendrick show called Love Life, which I watched uh, 11 minutes of and did not like. So uh, that's for somebody, I suppose, but it's not for me. Um, there's the original uh, Looney Tunes cartoons, which I watched all of and can say that they are very well made. Uh, they're very, very good. If you like the classic Looney Tunes cartoons, but want to see them made by people who grew up w watching them, but also grew up with like 90s animation. It's like a good like combination of those two things working like like running on all cylinders. Like it's got the, the classic Looney Tunes like characters and like pacing to it. And a lot of the visual style is borrowed heavily, but it's also got a lot of those like Ren and Stimpy style takes and like the animation quality is like top notch. I don't think I've seen a cartoon look this good in years. They clearly put a huge, they gave like them a huge budget to use here. Even though everything's digital, it looks hand-drawn. That's how good this stuff is. Wow. It looks incredible. Like some of, it's like, seriously, some of the best animation. So like I was talking to, I think I was talking to Christy, friend of the show, Christy, about this, I don't remember. But it's almost like the last decade of like television, like the renaissance of television animation that we've seen since like 2010 was all leading up to this moment where it's all these co creators finally got to make the thing they wanted to make, which was a Looney Tunes cartoon. <laughs> and yeah, it's super, super good. Some of them are better than others, but hey, you could say the same thing about the original run of Looney Tunes too. Um, but all the, the, but they're shorts for all of the favorites. So you get your Sylvester Tweety, you get your Bugs Bunny, you get your uh, Daffy Duck, you get your Porky Pig, and you get your uh, Roadrunner and Coyote. So it's like all the, the boxes are checked. They made sure to do all the classic fan favorites. And yeah, they did them justice. So yeah, if you have any nostalgia at all for Looney Tunes, I definitely recommend you check them out. And they're all up there all at once. There's 11 episodes. And each of the 11 is two full, like, full length shorts. So like seven, eight minutes each. And then like interstitials in between. So yeah, a lot of content. Um, right. So yeah, I recommend that. All right, yeah. Uh, we had some trouble logging in <laughs> as uh, everybody else did. Yes. As everyone else did. Yeah. So I haven't really fully checked it out, but I will be getting to that this weekend. That is basically my project to get done. And then I'll have HBO max uh, along with everything. Cause we pay for spectrum. Yeah. Cool. And we get it with spectrum. So yeah. Uh, I HBO max will be coming it. to us. Yeah. I ended up getting it uh, a la carte by itself. I didn't go through any of my services. So that way I could access it through an app instead of going through something to then get jettisoned to an app, which I understand is how it's working a lot of the cases. Where right. it's like, so I listened to a podcast today where they were saying the reasoning behind that is apparently because of the negotiations they had to make with the other companies, these other platforms. Because the Warner Media Empire is now divided by two dads, essentially. You have Dad AT and T over here and Dad Warner over mm -hmm. here, because AT and T wants to make deals with the platforms, but Warner wants to make deals with the content, like the content companies. Those two, like, are at odds with each other, and it seems like so AT and T wanted basically to make a deal with 
your spectrums, your Comcast to be basically like, eh, just throw it ex on your existing service. So that way existing service providers will just have it. The Warner side wanted, no, we made this app. We want to make, pe make sure people see the, our stuff. We want to make sure that they log into our experience to get the perfect experience that we developed. So that's why apparently they had to compromise. It's insane how weird this launch was. So is that why it's purple? Because one side wanted red and one side wanted blue? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Compromised. Compromise. Throw them both together. Anyways, so yeah, I like it so far. Um, as more stuff comes out for it, I'll have more impressions. But generally speaking, it's 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 a pretty impressive uh, first uh, first couple of weeks. Yeah, I think as soon as we put it on, we're going to be watching the Harry Potter films on it. They're all on there. They're all on there. But uh, that's pretty much all I all I watched and and yeah. old baseball games on MLB Network. Yeah, I'm just mainly looking forward to like all the commentary stuff on it that I can watch and listen to. Yeah. We'll yes, see. call me a nerd. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Chad has spoken. I'm a nerd on it. Anyway. But yeah, so the HBO uh, Max stuff is the only thing I watched, like, but like I said, besides uh, old baseball games on MLB Network. <laughs> I watched this. I watched one of the, the games of the 2001 World Series. <laughs> Yeah, don't worry. I mean, we were watching the 2002 Angels World Series like three weeks ago. Hell yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's move on to cancellations and renewals. All right. What am I no longer watching? All right. Well, stars decided that you're not done with Step Up High Water because they're renewing it for the third season. Is this like Step Up the movie? Yes, this was Step Up High Water, which was a YouTube original, uh -huh. and then got canceled after two seasons, but okay. is now moving its way to stars for a third season. Got it. Hey, you'd be happy to know that Disney Plus's Diary of a Future President is getting renewed for a second season. Yep, uh, 10 episodes, second season. Looking yeah. forward to that. However, on Netflix, Astronomy Club fans, all three of you, are sad to learn that it's been canceled after one season. Oh, no. All right, now going to deaths quite a bit this week, and not for the reasons why you might imagine. Uh, uh, no, but this, uh, some of these carried over from last week, which we didn't get to. But Yeah, yeah. last week. Yeah. Uh, first up, Peggy Pope, age 91, an actress, was in 9 to 5, Colucci's department in The Last Starfighter. Mary Pat Gleason, age 70, actress as well, was in Guiding Light and Mom, among others and was an Emmy winner in 1986. Uh, Chris Trousdale, age 34, an actor and singer, was a member of Dream Street. Remember Dream Street? Yes, it was all just a dream. Street. They had a song that was, named, that was also named Dream Street mm -hmm. that I remember hearing a lot on uh, Radio Disney. I knew you were going to go there. <laughs> in the early 2000s. The only thing I remember of it is that the chorus ended, Down on Dream Street. That's all I remember. Well, that's all you need to know because that's their name. It's down on Dream, Street. Dream Street. So the advertising worked. <laughs> yeah, the advertising worked. Who knew? Next up, Joey Image, age 63, a drummer for the Misfits. Um, Bobby Morrow, age 84, a three times 
Olympic gold medal sprinter. Uh, uh, yeah, he won. He was a sprinter who won the gold medal three times at the 1956 Olympics. 1956. Robert Waiton, age 112, if that seems high, that's because he was the world's oldest man as of February 2020. And of course, as most world's oldest people do, um, they passed away. It's like that record's cursed or something. Yeah, or something. I don't know. Somebody's got to look into that. It's conspiracy, it's conspiracy I swear. Um, and lastly, Lenny Niehaus, age 90, a saxophonist and film composer, worked on Unforgiven, Space Cowboys, and The Bridges of Madison County. Yep. So there you go. Moving on into the world of music, and I hand it over to you. And we always start music with the billboard charts and we start the billboards with the hot 100 and guess who's atop the 100 list it happened it happened the ads worked as rain on me by lady gaga but really i want to say it's ariana grande (laughs) it's both they share they share they both have a verse on it yeah it's a good song too that's why it's Uh, an end not a feature right uh, yeah, Rain On Me, your number one song this week. Yeah, it's catchy. And, yep, uh, that bumps number two, Savage by Megan The Stallion, but mm. really it's Beyonce. <laughs> uh, number three, Rockstar by Da Baby, but really it's with Roddy Rich. Uh, number four, Blinding Lights by The Weeknd, moving back up in the top five. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's actually The Weeknd. Because at number five, it's Say So by Doja Cat. But really, it's Nicki Minaj. There's a lot of features on this list. It's not how all features work, by the way. That was funny when it was Drake. Well, because Drake was the sole cause of it. (laughs) Do you agree? (laughs) I mean, Drake is the cause of a lot of things. All right, what's our Billboard 200, our albums chart? All right, as for your albums chart, your Billboard 200, wanna... Gonna, shoulda, woulda, maybe coulda. <laughs> I don't know, but that's what happens. Uh, number one is Wanna by Gunna. And the artist is Gunna. Yes. Wanna, the album by Gunna. Uh, number two, My Turn by Little Baby. Getting a little bump there. <laughs> a baby At bump? Th- a little baby bump. <laughs> At number three, High Off Life by Future. At number four, Notes on a Conditional Form by the 1975, which you talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And at number five, The Goat by Polo G. So yeah, some familiar faces, but a couple of new ones. Yeah. And if you didn't like any of those albums, well, we have some new releases. Yes, we do. All right. First up, we have Planets Mad by Bauer. Yes, that Bauer. <laughs> uh, Harlem Shake Bauer. Yes. Uh, number two, What's Your Pleasure by Jesse Ware. Where? There. Oh. Uh, at number two. Why do I say at number two? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> These are not ranked. <laughs> uh, we also have Goons Be Gone by No Age. 
Sideways to New Italy by Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever. It's a long name. Yes. Although, is Sideways to New Italy basically the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Maybe. I don't know. You have to have to ask Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever. (laughs) I would, but I don't think they'll get my call because of the Rolling Blackouts Coastal (laughs) Fever. I was talking to a friend of the show, Christy, yesterday, and she made a she made a joke. I forget what the context was, but she made a joke about rolling blackouts, coastal fever. And I was like, "Wow, you're, I'm glad that you're talking to me because I'm the only one who would get that." And yes, then she was like, would. "Yeah, they talked about them a lot of them on M- on NPR." <laughs> like, yeah, sounds about right. That's where you would have heard them. <laughs> anyway, uh, anyways, we also have RTJ Four by Run the Jewels. What, what a time for a new Run the Jewels record. <laughs> Could not be better timing. Which crystal ball did they pick that one out of? Right? Yeah. Killer Mike knew something. You know he did. Speaking of in the news, Killer Mike. Right. Yes. Uh, and also we have All Things Being Equal by Sonic Boom. Yep. Yep. Moving on into music news. We're back with Warder Music. It's a little update, um, um, and it's a crossover with one of our favorite recurring stories. Oh, you mean Tencent Holdings? Mm -hmm. The Chinese company that holds basically everything and shouldn't, but does? (laughs) Huh. Well, uh, Tencent Holdings is in talks to buy a stake in Warner Music Group as part of the record company's initial public offering, or IPO. Uh, The paper, Wall Street Journal, cited, quote, people familiar with the matter as saying the Chinese internet giant is discussing an investment of $200 million ahead of Warner Music Group's IPO offering, which, as we know, is announced to take place next week. Uh, Warner Music Group is also lining up other potential partners that could serve as anchor investors along with Tencent, which would contribute in excess of $1 billion towards a fundraising goal as much as $1.8 billion, which, as we noted last, or not last week, two weeks ago, that they were looking at an initial offering of, was it $2.8 billion? Yeah. Yeah. Less. So they're... Basically, by going public, they're already going to recuperate half of that money. Yeah. I mean, this is how it works, right? I mean, this is what happens every time this happens, which is giant investing companies like get involved so that way they can make some of those costs up before they potentially lose it on the market going public. Well, what's going to happen is that they're going to make the sales now and then probably short them over the course of the week because it'll go down after the initial IPO's offer Mm -hmm. is done. But hey, at least some people will make money. You know, <laughs> maybe not yes. the right people or people who need the money, but money. some people will make money. <laughs> oh, what a bleak, what a bleak sentence to say this week. <laughs> some, some people, people will make will money. Oh. What's our motto? It's a business. Yeah, I guess so. It feels extra dirty this week. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of which, oh, it's is it clearer than the other phrase? Profits over people. No, don't even. Nope. Mm-mm. nope. Not the time. Nope. Not the time. 
Okay, well, now a segue to our next That's a good segue right to our next story, oh, isn't Lord. it? Uh, well, as you mentioned, um, somewhere at the top of this podcast, I yeah. think, uh, Blackout Tuesday, uh, was, it's as part of the music industry's Blackout Tuesday protest against racism, Spotify and Sirius XM will go silent in, symb- in symbolic moments of silence to acknowledge the death of George Floyd. Audio streaming giant Spotify as part of Blackout Tuesday's initiatives, is including an eight minute, 46 second track of silence on select playlists and podcasts. Uh, that, that is meant, quote, as a solemn acknowledgement for the length of time that George Floyd was suffocated. Uh, Sirius XM, meanwhile, on June 2nd at 3 p.m., so yesterday. Yeah, this um, all happened yesterday. Yes, we'll silence all music, all music channels for three minutes. According to a memo, Sirius XM CEO Jim Meyer sent to employees, the pause includes, quote, one minute to reflect on the terrible history of racism, one minute in observance of this tragic moment in time, and one minute to hope for and demand a better future, end quote. Uh, so, a lot to unpack here. <laughs> so, Where's the Blackout the Tuesday thing. It's it, something? So, yeah, it's something, sure. You could say that. Um, so, the Blackout Tuesday, Tuesday kind of movement started with, I guess, um, some of the bigger record labels. I guess the statement they were trying to make originally had said what the plan was, is that the music industry, basically artists, la- the major labels, the major artists on those la- labels, we're going to not tweet anything, not promote any of their music. There was going to be a blackout of any promotion happening from their artists on Tuesday. That was kind of the first salvo of this was that was, that was a shot out. And um, initially the reaction to that was pretty poor. Um, It seemed like most of the musicians and people in the industry that I followed were basically saying, this is stupid. They should be using the day for using their platform to actually promote the movements uh to donate to the uh to the uh, funds to like spread the word about where to donate and how to help to be silent for a day doesn't like in in kind of in, in kind of the guise of taking a moment to reflect doesn't actually do anything like for the movement. It doesn't actually support the movement. Hopes and prayers? Uh, then, yeah, exactly. It's, it's very much the hopes and prayers thing. Um, then, then, then it kind of escalated by this, this movement that who knows where the origin of this was, where people were encouraged to um, put a black square or a black profile picture or a black J, like JPEG, just a black picture basically, just the color black. Uh, on their social media networks. And this started, I guess, through this kind of Blackout Tuesday movement. And again, in theory, that's cool, I guess, where it's like, oh, we're showing solidarity. But two, you could be using that space to actually advance some sort of movement or pay towards some sort of end goal 
And then to make matters worse, people who you who were using that those pictures and using the hashtags for the movements, including Black Lives Matter, basically that was all people on the Black Lives Matter hashtag were seeing were those black squares, which was prohibiting people who are actually using it for updates about protests, could not actually find information. So it was a big problem. So like activists had to very quickly tweet to their followers, hey, please like delete those posts because we can't see jack shit out here. We can't see information that we need to see about the where like presence of police or like, you know, changing curfew times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that are happening by the minute. So this Blackout Tuesday thing, even though it came from a, a good place, ended up causing a lot of more issues than it was needed than needed at the end of the day. And so, yeah, it's just, that's why I kind of, when I was talking about the, the, the story above about the Viacom CBS thing is always maybe like take bigger movements that are started by these corporations that are started by these brands with the grain of salt, because they're not the ones on the front lines of this movement. They're not the ones that are actually out there and, supporting what actually needs to be done in the moment. They're big picture movements that I think are obfuscating the smaller change that needs to actually happen. So yeah, that's at least what I would say is that these bigger brand movements are maybe a distraction and who you should actually be following on social media and following their advice are the, hey, I don't know, the black people that are at the protests. What do you know? I mean, who would have guessed, right? Yeah, I mean, people like John Boyega. Who's out yes, there now John Boyega, he is a, like, he's doing such a bang up job on social media this week about really giving it to, giving it to those racists out there. He's, he's been crazy to watch. Yeah, uh, but he's not um, music, though. No, he's not. No, he's not. But, but you know what I'm saying. Like, yes. so, so yeah, I don't know how I feel about the, the, the Spotify and the, the Sirius XM stuff. Like, it's cool, but you know what would have been cooler is if, for example, Spotify donated a bunch of money to Black artists, for example. Or what if Black, uh, Spotify had done what Bandcamp is doing, uh, which is they're going to do a day where um, their Bandcamp's portion of the sales on their site will go towards uh, funds. Mm-hmm. Spotify could have easily done something like that. They could have been like, oh, well, our- they could have just, I mean, easily set up a playlist of, mm-hmm. hey, listen to this playlist. Every minute listened is yeah. X amount yes. towards, you know, causes. Exactly. The thing is, is that if you're basically, if you're not giving money to the cause, like take, taking a big block of time out of somebody's playlist is actually doing the artists a disservice, not helping them. It's backwards. I don't know. Anyway, that's how yeah, I, I think you're talking about lip service there. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's giant lip service. It's giant. Like we want to, it's performative allyship is what it right. is. Right. It's trying to be on the right side yeah. in words and in action. Yeah but not necessarily in what matters. It's like, yeah, how, like how it counts. And, and I get it. I get it's tough. I 100% get it's tough. Like 
I had a moment on Monday where I was like, I either sit here and and try to, you know, retweet people that I, I think are saying the right thing and try to talk to people I know about like how 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 I'm framing all everything that's happening. But I had a moment I still felt guilty and I had a moment where I was like, there's only one thing I can do. So I had the privilege of last week having some of my vacation time paid off by my employer because they realized that with three months, potentially more of the, of the year uh, being basically completely moot as for using time off, mm-hmm. they were like, hey, do you want us just to pay you out? And so I was like, yeah, pay me out 40, 40 hours. So I got a generous payout. And so I used all of it and I donated all of it. Nice. Yeah, they're uh, forwarding hours to next year. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, we are probably not going to have that uh, luxury. So well, I'm going to need to use it next year because, oh, yeah, we need to talk to you off podcast. But yeah, we'll, we'll weddings, yeah. weddings galore. Post pod. You're right. I do have, I did have that kind of the same yeah. moment over the past couple of days. I, I actually went and looked up Jane Elliott and her study of brown eyes, blue eyes experiment. Mm. And yeah, through, I I watched two of them back to back. One was a British one and then one was done with college students. And about like 10 minutes into the British one, they, because it was adults, they were kind of like attacking it. And I was like, okay, I can see why they're doing this. I can see the problem. But when I watched it, the college one right right after it with college students, it hit me harder, I think. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like I'm actually like hearing it now. I'm actually making, I, I can physically see myself like making dots and connections yes. to between the experiment and like what you hear yeah, like in real life. Mm-hmm. That was like hitting me yeah. pretty good. And that's, that's a good, that's a good point that you brought up because uh, education is also, this is actually a really important moment for education. What I've seen a lot of uh, black activists on social media specifically say about this moment is it's not enough to just be like not racist. You have to learn and practice anti-racism. And part of that is educating on like by looking at, by reading black authors, uh, by reading experiments like that, that just like show like, these are the actual functions of these biases. Right, and that was part of Jane Elliott's thesis that no one is born racist, no one is born yeah. a bigot, it's something that you learn. And anything that you can learn, you can unlearn. Indeed, indeed. And so yeah, education, like constantly educate, and not just in this moment either, like that's another thing that's important to stress. It's like, it's a constant thing that's going to continue far after these uh, protests end, so. Anyways, we've gone around probably 30 minutes on this topic now, so let's move on. Well, I mean, we're done with music. We just have to talk about actual albums. Yes, we listened to a couple of things. I uh, listened to one of these things that you listened to. Uh, yes, I listened to the surprise thing that I didn't know was going to happen, but hey, it happened. Yeah. I didn't also, I don't know that. if we want to count it as an album because it's an EP. Eh, we can talk about EPs. It's not, it's not ruled All out. All right. So, Midland. Yeah, talk about, talk about Midland. So Real, real love- briefly. Give me like two minutes because this thing is yeah. brief because it's Midland. <laughs> it's called Guitars, Couches, etc., etc., And it's an acoustic album. And okay. not an acoustic album of new stuff, an acoustic album of their hits. 
Okay. So if you it's like an their song, session. huh? It's like an MTV unplugged. Yes. Yeah. So if you like Midland and you like their songs and you like the lyrics of their songs, this is the album for you. And that's pretty much it. Cool. <laughs> it's, hey, their, cool. it's their hits. It's a drinking song or drinking problems, uh, 14 gears, so, uh, Mr. Lonely, stuff off their new stuff and their, uh, the first two albums that are basically like the hits that you know Midland of, but just broke it down into acoustic form. That sounds great. So it's fun. It's good. Yeah. I like it. Cool. But there's a bigger album that came out yeah. this past week. Speaking of fun and good. <laughs> Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, that's good. What's fun and good? Yes. So, Chromatica is out. You can listen to it. It's available. What did you think? Love the production on this thing. Oh, yeah. Holy hell. Like, I thought I liked Dua Lipa's production, which I still do, but yeah, this thing feels like it's on another level. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and like another level in a good way too. Like this is clearly refined production. I can see why they wanted to make this thing a big event because this is a really big album. This is disco album. This is classic Lady Gaga. But at the yeah. same time, it's new Lady Gaga. Yeah, it's a return to form. Uh, I think a lot of people, you know, when Joanne her last record came out, people mm-hmm. were like, this isn't what I expected. It didn't really have as many of those like dancey club songs uh, on it. It had a little bit more of a ballad edge. Right. And then she went on and she did uh, A Star Is Born. Star Is Born stuff, which was even more kind of a ballad edge, but maybe a little mix of a couple of the more popular stuff. Mm-hmm. But this though, yeah, you're right. It's a return to the Gaga we knew. Um, just like, hey, like these are a bunch of songs that you can play at the club. Not too dissimilar to, as you mentioned, that Dua Lipa record that came out this year. And that's kind of my takeaway of this whole thing, is I feel like in the time between Joanne and now, I think she was being, she just, she took a step back and she was listening. And I think she was taking notes. Mm -hmm. Because throughout this record, you can hear little bits and pieces of contemporary pop artists. You can hear a little bit of Dua Lipa. I really don't, I have a strong suspicion. I told this to a friend of the show, Christy, after I listened to Chromatica for the first time, I was like, I have a strong suspicion that she would have not gone so hard on this kind of music again if Dua Lipa hadn't been the surprise smash. I believe that, yeah. I think that the fact that she had like those number one singles, like I think opened the door back up again for that kind of dance pop. Because I think there was a while where it wasn't viable anymore. Like, nobody was making that music anymore. Well, I mean, look at what was dominating the headlines with Billie Eilish and uh, Drake. And even before that, even like even even before Billie Eilish and like and before Dua Lipa. And Ariana Grande too. Like, Sweeter wasn't a huge dance pop album. Even Ariana was making something kind of different with Sweetener and Thank You Next. It wasn't mm-hmm. exactly the Lady Gaga or Dua Lipa style. It was somewhere kind of more in that Max Martin kind of wheelhouse. Right. This, though, is very much towards that dance hall kind of feel. And um, yeah, I think she's also been taking some notes uh, from uh, Carly Rae Jepsen on a few of these songs. You can definitely hear some Carly-esque takes um, going on with both her vocals and, the, and, the, and, and like the choruses. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, uh, 
friend of the show, Christy, our, our resident pop expert, was very quick to point out that she also thinks there's a lot of um, uh, Kylie Minogue and Madonna references throughout, including album closer Babylon, which is basically Vogue. <laughs> it's basically Lady Gaga doing Vogue, which is like, hey, you know, if anybody's going to do a take on Vogue, it's Lady Gaga, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Goes to yeah. But yeah, no, I, I thought it was really excellent. Um, I thought that there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, highlights. Um, not a lot of low points. I can't really think of any particular song I didn't care for. No, um, uh, Thousand Doves, though, I liked right before the closer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a one-two punch right there, I think, certainly. Yep. And uh, yeah, it's, it's quality. It's quality. I think this is definitely going to be seen as her comeback. This is definitely... And I think if it wasn't, yeah, if you're right, you're right. I think if it wasn't for everybody being stuck at home, I think this would have been a really big deal. Okay. Well, I think that's why they wanted to delay it because this felt like, hey, we need to get you out, in, like I said, in front of SNL, in front of Good Morning America. That being said, I'm glad. I'm glad, though, they ended up putting it out because, as I said way back on the episode where we talked about her delay, I was like, there's no reason. There's The, the fans need this now more than ever, and I think that I think that it was good timing for the the people who need it. Oh, no, I'm not saying you're wrong on that. I'm just saying that from a marketing standpoint, from a business aspect. Right, right, right. It would definitely help that. You would have been been sick of Gaga. She would have been everywhere and you would have been like, yeah, you couldn't avoid her. Right. Interesting. Who knows though? Like alternate universe talk can only go so far. It's okay. I mean, they kind of ran those Apple commercials. Or is it like, is it Apple? Siri? Alexa? It was Alexa. I don't remember. <laughs> with uh, Lady Gaga's Rain on Me playing mm-hmm. with the lips. Because they could make those ads all day long. Yeah, they can. Anyway. Anyway, so we're both in uh, unison then? Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good album? Yeah. This is a good year for pop. Oh, yeah. So I was surprised it's going to be a good year for pop. Yeah. I'm not expecting that. Nowhere. Who knew? Even the ones you didn't like, like the Charlie XCX record. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, let's move on to video games here. Let's talk about some video games. All right. Uh, we have new releases this week. Command and Conquer Remastered Collection for the PC. Uh, nice. the, the Outer Worlds for the Switch. Nice. Yeah. The Sims 4, colon, Eco Lifestyle for the PlayStation, Xbox, and PC. Uh, speaking of Lance Armstrong, Tour de France 2020 for the PlayStation and Xbox. France. Uh, the Dark Eye, colon, Book of Heroes for the PC. And Yeast, colon, Memories of Celesta for PlayStation. Yep. Is it Yeast or Wise? It's, I think it's East. I think you were right the first time. All right. And lastly, a game that I will be picking up this week because it is a social game. Clubhouse Games, colon, 51 Worldwide Classics for the Switch. Coming out uh, tomorrow. Oh, yes, no, you, mentioned, you mentioned this last week how you were excited to pick this one up when it came out. Yes. I think that second to last trailer when it showcased all the games, I was like, wow. There's a lot in this. And then I saw the price point at $40. I'm like, yeah, that's a good one. Party game, two, social game, three. New things to play with people. Yeah. yeah. 
And have, also, you only need one person to own it to right. look it up to other people who have Switches. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I had the original Clubhouse games on the DS. Oh, okay. I still have it floating around somewhere. But yeah, mm-hmm. it seems like uh, the Switch is uh, the right platform to resurrect that series on. Yep, it's really good. Okay. Uh, okay. Actual video game news. Well, or rather, lack thereof. <laughs> Lacking news? Yeah, exactly. Like, not news, lack thereof news. Because there was going to be news this week. Oh, there was going to be news. I was going to be so excited for it. Because there was a planned PlayStation 5 streaming event set for tomorrow. Yep. But had to be canceled in light of the Black Lives Matter protests taking place nationwide. New games were expected to be announced alongside new footage and actual gameplay footage. Uh, EA also delayed the official unveiling of Madden NFL 21 following protests across the United States over the death of George Floyd. Uh, The game's first trailer emerged last month and was due to be revealed on June 1st. That will no longer take place. Quote, We had committed to celebrating Madden NFL 21 with you, but we're not going to do that now, uh, said EA in a statement that, quote, we stand with our African-American black communities of friends, players, colleagues, and partners. Our immediate attention is on actions we can take to drive change against the unjust treatment and systemic bias that is plaguing the nation and our world. It is of note that they already announced the cover of Madden NFL 21 to be Teddy Bridgewater, mm-hmm. uh, the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Right. So, yeah, um, I, I think it makes sense for them to wait, especially Sony. I yes. understand that the other impetus for their delay is because George Floyd's memorial service is also tomorrow afternoon, and uh, that would probably have been in bad taste if they had gone ahead with the stream. Right, but also this is supposed to be... Uh, what was it, future games? Yeah. Look, and then that got delayed as well. Yes. Which, as I said, I think things, these will all be delayed probably if a week, if not two weeks. I would guess. When we, E3 yeah. was originally supposed to take place. Yeah, I would guess we see a lot of this stuff come back up next week. Uh, because, yeah, everything that I'm seeing is, is being pushed to this weekend or later. So. Yeah, but... With that being said, that means stuff is literally around the corner. As we've been talking about with Xbox, that the next generation is practically here. <laughs> um, it's, just, it's just Sony who needs to say, hey, here is the new console. Here's the price point. Here are the games. And there's been lists floating around of like 38 to 40 games for like the first three months of its release. Yeah, that could be pretty exciting. So yeah, this is this is really look for, especially if some of the rumors are true. Like PS3 and 4 games being able to play on the PS5. I know that's a huge rumor. But we don't deal in rumors. I'm not going to say that. (laughs) Yeah, God forbid. No. I'm not going to say other stuff like the USB charging port or the SSD is the soul of it. No. No, we, we can't say that because those are rumors. 
So we'll see as uh, they kind of announce, if they announce a follow-up date for this to actually take place. Uh, but yeah, overall, uh, good on them for uh, leaving space for what uh, is a priority right now. Yep. Uh, this is also a part of like a lot of companies moving things out of the way to focus national attention. Yeah. As we've mentioned before. Yeah. Throughout this podcast. Indeed. Yep. But that is not the last of us, though. <laughs> As The Last of Us Part 2 is our second news story. It is coming very quickly. <laughs> it's like a couple weeks now. Yeah, a couple or weeks. Or is it? The Last of Us. Uh, the Last of Us 2, Last of Us Part 2, is Naughty Dog's most accessible game ever, thanks to dozens of granular accessibility settings, some of which totally overhaul the way the game is presented. Lead gameplay designer Emilia Schatz. 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 Emilia Schatz. And lead systems designer Matthew Gallant discussed the game's accessibility options with The Verge. Schatz says that Naughty Dog focused more on accessibility after receiving a letter from an Uncharted 2 fan who couldn't finish a part of the game due to a button-mashing QuickTime event. But, while later Uncharted games integrated more options, The Last of Us 2 is on a whole nother level for the studio. Quote from Shots: Accessibility for us is about removing barriers that are keeping players from completing a game. It's not about dumbing down a game or making a game easy. What do players need in order to play the game in, in parity with everyone else. So that is interesting that you're not going to basically dumb down a game, but give people other options. Yeah. I think uh, what's happened a lot in the discourse around um, difficulty settings and accessibility options is that people are finally realizing and game developers are finally realizing that it does not make your game worse to make it ex- like accessible to others. Like, you don't have to be, like, freaking pro-gamer. You don't have to be ninja in order to beat a game anymore, which is good. Because, yeah, there's probably plenty of people out there who just want to enjoy the story of The Last of Us 2 and want to, like, live in that world for a while. I'm not one of them right now, let me tell you. Uh, (laughs) But if I was, like, I would want the ability to do that even if I didn't have, say, the skill to pass, like, a really tough boss or something like that. And I think, yeah, I think the people who are like complaining like, oh, accessibility options makes stuff easier for babies are missing the point entirely. It's like, it's not, it's not about a game, especially as narrative driven as The Last of Us is not meant to be a challenge. That's not, it's not about challenge. It's about the story they're telling. The challenge dovetails into that story and helps it tell the narrative better because it reminds you, oh, this would would be really hard to do. But if you're stuck and it just gets annoyed, you just get annoyed with it. Like I know that God of War took some of that away where instead of button mashing to get through the level, you just press, you could press and hold instead of button mash. Yeah. I think that's what it means by accessibility, not we're going to dumb this down. So boss fights are easier for you. It's in terms of gameplay. Well, I mean, it's a combination of those two things. Those are two, those are two things that are kind of in the same kind of category. 
it's what I was talking about. And then also what you're talking about, which is people who are literally physically unable to do these things, uh, which is another very important thing that I think developers are getting better at. Right. I know Xbox um, created the gamepad. Yes. That, uh, which that is customizable for different people. Exactly. And hopefully that was like, that probably did a good job of showing, showing people all over. It's like, no, it's like, there's other solutions out there beyond just traditional gameplay that can help people who traditionally haven't been able to play these games, play them and enjoy them. Hmm. I'm having trouble hearing Siri. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently Siri cares about accessibility options. Yes, Siri does. Anyway. Anyways. uh, Yeah. The last of us part two is due out June 20th. Huh? Yeah. Weeks away. Yeah. June 20th, June 19th, two weeks, I believe. Right. So are you, are you going to play it? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I know I will play it, uh, but real briefly, while we're on topic of Sony and Last of Us, Sony is doing Days of Play currently. Yeah. Um, games, $20 and under. Yeah. Two games galore, 200 games are all discounted now. So go yeah. take a look at those. Uh, but yeah, I'm... It's on my like calendar head to buy it. Um, currently doing Legos, which I know some people who are really sick of me playing Legos. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know if going into something as heavy as The Last of Us is totally the right option to do that. That's though. the thing. Yeah, that's the thing, and that's what I that's what I'm grappling with because like I loved the first game. But man, the timing could not be worse for me. Like, I feel like that's not the headspace I want to be in. Right. Uh, I downloaded uh, The Last of Us Remastered because it came to us on PS Plus a yeah. while ago. So I downloaded it two months ago as part of my, hey, I'm going to play this game because I know the next game's coming out. And then they delayed it. They first announced the first delay, or second or third delay, whatever it is, uh, from May to June. And I was like, okay, yeah. so I guess I don't need to play it now. And then every time I think I want to go back to it, I can't get into that headspace of, I know this is going to be a pretty depressing game. That's something that I kind of want to be in, but also like, yeah, that story though. While it's a really good story, that's not saying that it's a bad story or like anything like that. But it's like, it's a very immersive story. But yeah, but it's the question, of course, then is, is this the time? Right. So I don't know. It's complicated, uh, but I think they'll have done a good job on it and think people will enjoy it. But yeah, I wonder how many people maybe put it on the shelf for a while and then come back to it once. We'll probably come back to it when people start talking about Game of the Year stuff. Yeah. I imagine, yeah, this will be something that probably people are like catching up on in November. Mm-hmm. So, well, we'll wait and see. Uh, I guess one of us should play it, though, for the podcast's sake. Well, I'm playing Clubhouse Games 51. Yes, yes, yes. Actual game of the year, Clubhouse (laughs) Games. (laughs) Media Book Podcast Game of the Year, Clubhouse Games. I'm calling it right now. No, I'm not actually calling it. (laughs) That's stupid. Anyway, no, let's be real. It's Animal Crossing. Anyways. (laughs) Yes, also a game both of us have played. (laughs) Anyways, but that's uh, it, right, for video games. Did you yep. play any video games this week? 
Nope. I've been playing Lego. I got all the pretty much all the bricks. I'm going back through and cleaning up stuff. Still taking a while because those games are designed to take a long time. Yes, yes. I have hit a point, though, where I need to look up stuff to complete the game. Mm -hmm. But I'm doing everything else that I can do before I get that point. Do all that extra cleanup. But I have hit that point of, okay, I need to do all this extra stuff in the sandbox universe in order to unlock stuff to finish the things that I can't do right now. But there are also stuff that I need to like look up and find, okay, where exactly does it want me to go? Where am I actually doing this? But right now I'm going through and completing all the story missions so I can get to that and just be like the last things. Uh, and I should have all that completed by the time Last of Us 2 comes out. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I already you said... You playing that, baseball? Yeah, I already said that I played baseball, and that's pretty much it. Yep. Yeah. Right. That's I it. I think that does it for us, then. All righty. Well, thank you uh, for joining us, then, for this episode of the Media Boat Podcast. We'll be back for, hopefully, a happier and less depressing episode next week uh where we will still be marooned until further notice um if you want to watch our uh faces you can see a recorded version of this show on youtube by going to our youtube channel this is also where you can see me stream some baseball i am uh going to from now on do my video game streaming on youtube um instead of twitch because uh the twitch connection to amazon kind of weirds me out right now so, so yeah, um, I'm going to probably stick to the YouTube for my streaming. So that's where you can find both our archive of these video versions of our podcast and archive versions of our video games. So go check out youtube.com, search Media Boat Podcasts, and find our page. You can also find our podcast in audio form via Apple Podcasts or similarly uh, RSS feed-driven podcast services. You can catch us on social media networks like Twitter on uh, like on Twitter at MediaBoatCast, Facebook, although probably after this week, probably shouldn't be using Facebook anymore, but eh, I'll discuss that with you after the pod. Um, and uh, you can also find us on uh, things like, uh, well, Twitch TV, uh, twitch.tv slash MediaBoat, where you can see archived versions of Mike's streams. And you can find us on... The email, I guess, at mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com. I mean, yep. I don't really know if there's anything else to promote. Nope. Uh, just mediaboatpodcast and you'll find us. So Google thanks, it. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week because, of course, we will. We never leave. We never stop recording. Nope. No. Never. All right. Yep. And with that, we'll be back next week with more thoughts and news and stuff. Yep. Bye-bye. All right. Bye.